what do we do with the homeless people on the side of the road? Whenever we're driving down the street and we notice that they're right there at the intersection. You've probably had this conversation before with someone, maybe someone in your family, maybe the people in your car as you drove by, and maybe a different people have different things to say. Some people might say, oh, you should give them cash. Others might say, no, don't give them cash. That's irresponsible. Give them um, food. Still others might say, but panhandling is not safe and we shouldn't encourage that type of behavior. And instead, we should give them, um, we should give them a card that shows them where the nearest homeless shelter is. Or maybe you should volunteer at a homeless shelter or give to Goodwill or Salvation Army or something along those lines. And that's the best way to help the homeless person. Still others might say, you know what they really need is dignity, so just roll down your window, talk to them, ask them their name, maybe pray with them. And there's a number of ways in which you can notice the homeless person. But how often do we try to just avoid the fact that they're even there? It's certainly much easier to maybe take a different route, not even notice, just go on with your life and not even give a little bit of emotional energy to it. But today in the gospel, Jesus tells a parable about a homeless man. And he, once again, gives a challenging parable for us today. And in this parable, we have a dichotomy. We have the rich man and the poor man named Lazarus. The rich man is living a life of wealth, luxury, and gluttony. The poor man is homeless, he's sick, and he's hungry. So we know the rich man is dressed in purple garments and fine linens, this, this sign of wealth and luxury. Only the few wealthy of the time period would have been able to dress in that way. And he dined sumptuously every day. He had three meals a day. He had meat at every meal. And this was something that only the absolutely wealthiest people at the time would have had back in first century Judaism. He was extremely well-fed. And the dichotomy, the opposite, is that we have this poor man right outside his door. And the fact that he's laying outside his door indicates he's probably homeless, probably ostracized in society, because he also has sores all over him, so we know that he's probably sick, some type of disease that makes him um, difficult to look at, difficult to pay attention to. And of course, we know he's hungry because it says that he would have gladly given anything to feed off of the scraps of the rich man's table. And then the parable goes on, and what we have is the role reversal. Here's the twist. The roles reverse. And the rich man goes down to the netherworld. The poor man goes up to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man is crying out, please help. What's happening? Please send Lazarus, the poor man, to just simply cool off my tongue. What is the Lord teaching us here? You know, it's interesting that what's happening there, there's a rich man who never really committed a difficult um, or like a major sin. Like he didn't, he didn't steal anything. He didn't murder anyone and he didn't commit adultery. He didn't lie, he didn't cheat, he didn't covet, he didn't gossip, he didn't bully. 
It's odd that the rich man didn't actually do a particular sin, but yet he finds himself in the netherworld crying out. He finds himself receiving eternal consequences for the way that he lived his life. Because he didn't necessarily commit a sin of commission, but what happens here is that he committed a sin of omission. And you might have heard this before. There's two types of sin. The sins of commission are the ones that we commit, the, the, the like direct actions that are wrong that we know we shouldn't do. But the sins of omission are the good acts that we omit, that we, we neglect to do, the ways in which we fail to love and to show mercy and um, and to love God and to love our neighbor. And it shows us today, Jesus, at, in this striking parable, it's quite frightening because not only do we have to worry about sins of commission, even a sin of omission is enough to give us eternal consequences. And what led the rich man to omit this type of love to the poor man. Well, it was his lifestyle. He was really comfortable. He had all of his needs and much more. This lifestyle of wealth and gluttony. And I really believe that as we become more and more comfortable, it becomes more and more difficult for us to really notice those that are suffering. We might notice, but like to really feel it, to really have true compassion and to be in, like to be driven to actually meet them in their suffering. You see, it's difficult to do that whenever our life is so comfortable. And so it's a challenging one for us today because most of us here, myself included, are living quite comfortable lives. Most of us, even though we might struggle here and there, we might have a little stress, a little anxiety, a little financial worries, but, but at the end of the day, we really live comfortable lives, most of us. And because of that, it's going to take a lot of intentionality, a lot of effort for us to not neglect the poor man, to not neglect the suffering, to not neglect those that are really in need. So I want us to be honest with ourselves today. Again, you don't have to prove this to me in any particular way. This is just between you and God. But just right now, think for yourself for a moment. Does your lifestyle prevent you from noticing the needs of others? The way that you live your life. How quick are you to notice when someone is suffering? And when you notice, do you just say, oh, that's so sad? And, and or do you, are you quick to, to like actually meet them there in their suffering? How quick are you to be creative in your response to do something about it? Of course, Jesus says the poor will always be with us and we can't completely solve it and take it away. But he does call us to love. He does call us to give mercy. And so how quick, how quick are you? To meet your neighbor whenever they're in need. Perhaps you may be too busy. Maybe your life is just way too stressful. You have way too many things that you committed to. You're overloaded. You're overwhelmed. You don't have time. You'd love to help the poor person, but you just don't have time. Or maybe you're comfortable. Maybe, maybe you just are, are living your best life and, and you just, you just, 
the happiest you've ever been, and you just, it's having, you're having a hard time thinking about who's suffering. Everyone in your life seems to be doing all right, and you're, you're grateful, you're blessed, but maybe you're so comfortable you don't notice, or maybe you're just self-centered. Maybe it's just hard to even think about anyone other than yourself. Who is the Lazarus in your own life? The reality is we all have a Lazarus in our life, someone in our life who is struggling, someone in our life who needs our help, who simply needs to be noticed. Who's the Lazarus in your life that maybe, maybe you're neglecting? Again, this is a hard, a hard gospel and it challenges us. Jesus has been challenging us for a few weeks now. But he does this to show, to remind us that the gospel is not just about trying to um, avoid those major sins, like trying to avoid punishment. The gospel is about love. The gospel is about mercy. And we've received so much love and mercy from the Lord. We don't keep that for ourselves. We share what we have received. That's what the whole gospel mission is all about. And when we neglect to share that mercy... That's a big deal. We're holding it in for ourselves for some reason, but for whatever that reason is, we got to let that go and meet the challenge to share that mercy with the world, especially those that are most in need. In fact, it's, of course, it's part of the central message of the gospel, but it's, it's also part of one of our values here at St. Leo. I've said it before, but it's always good to remind ourselves. We live divine mercy. This is important to us. We receive the mercy of God the Father as his sons and daughters. And we share what we have received. How? Through works of mercy. Spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Our goal is to be the face of Jesus to everyone we meet. To be so attentive to our neighbor that no one suffers alone. And maybe you're listening to this homily and saying, but but I'm the one suffering. Well, there's good news for you. Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for there they will be comforted. And so if you're the one struggling, if you feel like you identify more with the poor man rather than the rich man, praise God. Your thirst for being like the rich man is not worth your time. Instead, we thirst for God and we allow God to help us in our time of sorrow because becoming like the rich man won't solve our needs. No, that'll just send us to eternal consequences. All of us, no matter where we fall on that spectrum of wealth and comfort, are challenged to be merciful and to meet our neighbor, to be attentive to their needs. You may have seen before uh, Pope Benedict XVI. He has a very famous quote, and, um, <clears throat> and, and you may have seen it like on T-shirts or memes. And it turns out like it's more of a paraphrase of what he actually said, but the, but the quote is really good. Um, he says, the, the paraphrase is this, you were not created for comfort. The world offers you comfort, but you were not created for comfort. You were made for greatness. And a better translation, what he, what he really said um, to some p- pilgrims who were visiting Rome during his first month as Pope, he says, the ways of the world are not easy, 
But you were not created for an easy life. You were created for great things, for goodness. And a little while later in Spes Salve, Salve um, Saved by Hope, it's an encyclical that he wrote a few years later. He says this, man was created for greatness for God himself. We are not created to be successful. The purpose of life is not to retire with a healthy 401k. The point of our existence is not to be comfortable. Instead, we were created for love. We were created for God himself. And one day in eternity, we hope and pray that all of us would be united with God our Father. That's our, that's our destiny. That's what we were made for. And our heart longs for it. And because we're created for that, there is an emptiness inside of each and every one of us. Because every time we try to grasp for all these other needs, particularly that money can buy, we find ourselves a little bit still empty, a little bit more frustrated, striving for just yet a little bit more because it doesn't satisfy and we know it. We were created for God himself, for goodness. And the way that we receive God himself, even on this side of heaven, is by being attentive to the needs of our neighbor. Who's a Lazarus in your own life? Maybe today we can pray for that person. Maybe today we can pray for the courage to let go of those desires for wealth and success and popularity and all those little desires that we think satisfy us. And instead, perhaps we can pray for that grace to be attentive, to notice. Because works of mercy starts with noticing the needs of others. Amen. Amen.